0: Welcome to Season 2 of Fractown Gumshoe, Holy Fits, based on the novels by Deborah Gaskill. Chapter 14 Wow, Mary Margaret, you look fabulous. Those words I never thought would come out of my mouth. She smiled broadly. Thank you, Mr. Fitzhugh. The contact lenses feel weird, so I don't know how long I can wear them, but I love the skirt and how it matches with everything. So this is what you did this morning? She nodded enthusiastically. Yes. Fiona, I mean Agent Rafferty, suggested it. She stopped by my house last night and asked if I wanted to go shopping this morning. She said she talked to you and you wouldn't mind. She also managed to get me into the eye doctor to get these contact lenses. I raised my eyebrows. Was this before she dropped by my house for pizza or after she slapped me and left in a huff? More importantly, what was her motive? I remembered overhearing their conversation about her appearance and how Fiona had suggested Mary Margaret needed to update her wardrobe. Maybe that's all that was happening. Maybe I was thinking badly of Fiona. No, she deserved every underhanded and untrustworthy action I wanted to attach to her. No, I didn't mind at all. I hoped it sounded smoother than I felt. I've been thinking, Mr. Fitz, you- Fitz. Call me Fitz. Yes, well... Mary Margaret blushed to the roots of her newly tinted hair. Fitz, you know, I've been here about a year, and Dr. Darcy said I had vacation days with his job, too, in addition to sick days. Did she? Damn, I need to talk to Gracie about this. I can't afford all this stuff, can I? I nodded as Mary Margaret continued. I'd like to take a few days off. This whole mess with Grammy has really got Mom and I stressed out and, well... Fiona suggested we get away for a few days. She did? The hair on the back of my neck stood on end. What were Fiona's real motives? Mary Margaret nodded carefully, like I was too dumb to believe what she was telling me. Yes, tomorrow's Friday, and she thought Mom and I could go up to the Amish country. I put some money aside, and we rented a cabin, and just thought it would be nice to spend some time shopping and going antiquing. Yesterday, you and your mother were all fired up about getting your grandmother out of the abbey. What's changed? Mary Margaret her bottom lip. It was Agent Rafferty. She told us both last night. What time last night? I demanded. Maybe 8.30. That's when she came over. Mom's favorite detective show was on. That would have been after Fiona and I argued and she'd slap me. After I said I didn't believe her story about the hostage rescue team. Or pretty much anything else she told me. Yeah, my bullshit meter was starting to tick. Go on. Well, she didn't know that Benedict St. Giles had filed for a conservatorship over Grammy until mom told her. Mom also told her that she'd ask you to go in and get Grammy and you turned her down. That's bullshit. Fiona knew about the conservatorship because I told her. She did? Did you turn her down about going to get Grammy? Damn right I did. That's crazy. I'm not qualified to do that. I could lose my PI license, and if anything went south for whatever reason, I could get killed along with a lot of other folks. If I lived through that debacle, I'd easily be sued up one side and down the other. I'm not going down that road for anybody or anything. Mary Margaret nodded her big eyes. That's what Fiona said. She suggested we step away for a few days and think over what we wanted to do and where to go from here. Are you saying you want me off the case? Mary Margaret nodded slowly. Yes, Mr. Fitz, I mean Fitz. I told Fiona, and Mom and I would tell you we don't need your services for Grammy. Mom was going to talk to your mother and explain the situation. We really, really appreciate what you've done for us, though. Your mother shouldn't be mad at you. "'Well, she'll be mad no matter what. "'You don't know Maria Galion fits you. "'I breathe deep, and Ma gets mad at me. "'So are you going to pursue this through the courts? "'Fight the conservatorship?' "'Mary Margaret nodded. "'Yes, that's what we're going to do.' "'What lawyer are you going to use? "'You know I have contacts with damn near everyone in Fawcettville. "'If your mother hasn't decided which one to use, "'I could give her ideas of some good ones.' "'Mary Margaret's eyes got wide.' I don't know. She hasn't told me. Well, when she does, let me know. And if you want a few days off, and if Dr. Darcy has indeed told you that you have some vacation days coming to you, then have at it. Having to work with me is reason enough to get a vacation. Get out of here. I'll see you th- first thing Monday. No, make it a long weekend. Don't come back until Tuesday. Mary Margaret smiled and drew her shoulders up with joy. Thank you. Thank you. She jumped up and grabbed her new bag. I'll see you first thing Tuesday. I was relieved, even though I wondered about what Fiona was really trying to talk the Cleary women into. There was just something that I didn't trust about Mary Margaret's uncertain responses, which for some reason made me feel like they'd been fed to her. Okay, when he asks this, and if I know Fitz, he will, then you say this. It looked like Fiona was moving them away getting them away from what was going on at the Abbey and out of danger, so she could avenge Mark Rafferty's death. After the half-truths and downright lies she told me, it wouldn't surprise me one bit, but what I'd learned from SAC Reisner, that wasn't very likely to happen. I hope Fiona was in the back of his car right now, headed back to Pittsburgh, maybe even to the loony bin, right where she belonged. The agents Reisner placed around the perimeter of the abbey would no doubt pinch St. Giles the next time he came down the drive to pick up his newspaper. He'd piss himself when he was charged with federal murder and whatever else the FBI could throw at him. All of those poor, deluded folks who lived within those walls would be free to find some other person to pin their eternal hopes on, and Bridget Cleary would get her mother into a nursing home. I was going to come clean with Slocum, too, even though he might be mad as hell. I would take the video to Alicia and plead Slocum's case, which he acted in good faith to help me on this case. Even though we never really done shit, maybe that would play into his favor. She might be unhappy, but I knew that too wouldn't last long. I smiled as I thought about her ever-present desire to get her hands in my pants. I needed to keep her at enough of a distance that she wouldn't ruin my marriage, but would still hire me. I spent the rest of the afternoon on the phone setting up cases and waiting for Slocum to call me to come get him. A couple of things looked interesting. A father wanted me to investigate his daughter's new fiance, a couple of straying spouses, a defense attorney who needed me to find someone who could back up his client's alibi. All of them were good, solid, and better yet, easy cases. Maybe I could afford to give Mary Margaret a week's vacation each year. Slocum called promptly at four o'clock. I got full time, he said simply. I'll be right there. How was I going to tell him his services weren't needed? Slocum was leaning against a fence post at the end of the driveway, spitting tobacco into the dust when I pulled up in the excursion. I didn't see any of Reisner's boys, or girls for that matter, but then again, I hadn't this morning either. They were probably hanging from the trees across the road, or for all I knew, masquerading as some of the cattle in the field. As long as I didn't have to worry about going in and rescuing Eileen O'Connor anymore, they could do whatever the hell they wanted. So, Slocum, there's something I needed to tell you. Dude, I know, there's like so much crap going on there. Slocum's shoulders flexed as he fastened his seatbelt and I pulled onto the empty country road. Maybe you wouldn't beat the shit out of me while the car was moving. No, seriously, we need to talk. I know. Slocum didn't get the hint. That dude, that St. Giles guy, he's seriously creepy. He's got just three or four guys that he calls monks and the rest of chicks. I mean nuns. And they're all walking around like they're, uh, I don't know, sedated or something. With these really creepy smiles on their faces and stuff. They seriously believe this guy. They really do. I just let him ramble. I'll call Reisner with the details later on, after I dump him. I'm sure they do, I said. What's the building look like on the inside? Slocum rolled down the window as we came to a stop sign and leaned out to spit. He chattered ceaselessly as we drove. There are like four rooms downstairs. The kitchen, which is where I spent the better part of my afternoon, is in the back. He's turned the other room in the back to a chapel, and they all take turns praying there all day long. They had services before breakfast, after lunch, and I guess there's another service after supper. There's one more before they go to bed at night. The rooms up front are like, uh, I don't know, living rooms, and there's a bunch of rooms upstairs everyone sleeps in. Did you see Sister Cecilia? The one who prays all the time up in a room? Slocum shook his head, flipping his thin ponytail side to side. That's the old lady you tell me about, right? Yeah. Dude, I never saw her but he's got some of those nuns cooking special meals for her and then goes up with the food and stays in the room with her and brings her meal tray down. What do you think they're doing? Slocum shrugged. I don't know, but it can't be cool. I'm getting bad vibes from that guy. Seriously bad vibes. And not just because you warned me about what he's doing. Like what? We're coming close to the edge of town. The abandoned steel mill loomed ahead. I was going to drop Slocum off at his house, but not until he finished telling me what he'd learned. I was working to unclog the sink today and I saw him go past one of those nuns, uh, sister something or another, I didn't get a name. But he walks and the dude squeezes the ass. She looked around to make sure nobody saw it and gave him a smile like they were doing the nasty on the sly or something. My buddy who works the barn says St. Giles was romancing some of the women there. I didn't believe it, but now I do. Those two are doing dirty things for sure. I grimaced. Anything else? I swear he brings the women in though. There was this girl came in right before I left. She said she had some sort of spiritual questions and she was thinking about joining the Abbey. Jesus, how does this guy suck people in? I asked, exasperated. Slocum shrugged. I don't know. St. Giles sat down with her in one of those front rooms. Held a hand, said, my child this and my child that. You said he killed somebody, right? I could see it. This girl wasn't bad looking either, a little plain, but kind of cute. She looked like she was buying into everything he said. He told her to come back tomorrow and see if this was something that she could dedicate herself to. Oh. I turned into Fawcettville's mangled downtown, past Lupe's Mexican restaurant, the fading storefronts, and around the courthouse, letting him ramble as I drove. Yeah, nice legs, cute hair. She had a skirt and everything was coordinated. Slocum gestured around his torso, as to illustrate this young woman's clothing. Her purse matched her shoes, even. I was going to talk to her until I got a look at her smile, though. She had really bad teeth. No, it couldn't be. I jerked the excursion into the parking lot and slammed on the brakes. I grabbed Slocum by his collar. Who was she? What was her name? Did you hear her name? Dude, hang on. No, I didn't catch her name. Is she like your daughter or something? I promise, I wouldn't hit on your daughter. If she's your daughter, she really needs braces, though. Seriously, as a dad, you should spend the money. He peeled my fist off his collar and glared at me. I sat back against the driver's seat as the true reason for Mary Margaret's vacation request drained the blood from my face. She wasn't trying to get into that damn abbey herself, was she? Whose idea was that? Hers? Fiona's? Was Fiona using her as bait to get in there? Had Fiona talked her into doing something stupid? I hope to God Mary Margaret really was going to Amish country with her mother. Was she going to try to talk her grandmother out of that place on her own? Mary Margaret's brief transformations into Nancy Drew earlier in the week made me shiver. Tell me she wasn't thinking of going in on her own, I thought. Tell me she didn't show up to try to con St. Giles into believing she wanted to join. No, it's not my daughter. I pulled the SUV back into the traffic. It's really important that you go back to the Abbey tomorrow, Slocum. I need more information, especially on the girl who came by this afternoon. Slocum looked sideways at me. Did you talk to the prosecutor today about the video? I couldn't let him go now. I needed him back tomorrow, just in case that girl, whoever she was, came back, even if it wasn't Mary Margaret. I couldn't let St. Giles get his claws into another female. Yeah, I did. She's weighing her options. He bought it. If I go back and get more information, you think this will make things better for me? With the prosecutor, I mean? As I said, she's weighing her options. One more day inside St. Matilda's might do a world of good. Slocum relaxed. I'll do it. I'll drive myself tomorrow. Dude, it looks better. The possibility of a personal beating slipped away from me and down the road for a bit. I relaxed. Thanks. We stopped at my house and picked up Slocum's bag. I kept the wad of 20s as insurance before dropping him back at his home and heading over to Bridget and Mary Margaret's home, pounding on the door. Mary Margaret answered. She was back in her thick glasses, but dressed in slim jeans and a flowered top. Did Fee pick that out for her? Her hair was not quite salon perfect. I wished I'd gotten more of a description from Slocum before pushing him back towards St. Matilda's, but she still looked nice. Mr. Fitzhugh, I mean, Fitz, what are you doing here? Mom and I were just about ready to leave for the cabin. I need to ask you a question, and it's really important that you're honest with me. Okay. She looked at me strangely. Did you go out to St. Matilda's today? No. It's not your intention to go back there and try to get your grandmother out of there yourself with Agent Rafferty? She didn't try to talk you into anything? No. You're not going out there tomorrow to start some sort of initiation process? Mary and Margaret looked at me strangely. No, not at all. Who told you that? Okay, good. Never mind who told me. Another thing. I want the address to the cabin and I want you to text me when you get there and when you leave to come here on Monday. Okay, why? Just for my own peace of mind. Mary Margaret shrugged. Okay. I stood on the porch while she went to search. Holmes County. Where the majority of Ohio's Amish lived and where many of them made their living from tourists who came to visit was just up the road about a half an hour. Rental cabins, picturesque campgrounds, and shopping for homemade Amish furniture, quilts, and food were among the more popular things to do, along with antique hunting and just the chance to glimpse at what many thought was a quaint lifestyle. Gracie and I had been there many times. Nothing said Mary Margaret couldn't drive down from Holmes County and try something Nancy Drew stupid. She returned and handed me a piece of paper. Simple Life Cabins, outside of Millersburg, directly north of Fawcettville. Thanks, and just in case I haven't said it before, I do appreciate the job that you do. She looked at me like I had three heads, or like she saw something weird behind me. Thanks, Fitz. There were footsteps on the stairs behind her. Mary Margaret turned around as her mother came up behind her carrying two suitcases. The difference between the two was striking. Bridget looked a hundred years older than her daughter in her high-waisted mom jeans, stringy hair, thick glasses, and keds. I almost wish Fiona had taken both women out shopping. Oh, hello, Niccolo. I didn't know who was at the door. Bridget was cheery as she sat the suitcase at the bottom of the stairs. Are you ready to go, Mary Margaret? We've got reservations at the restaurant, and I want to check into the cabin before we eat. Sure, Mom. Mary Margaret smiled at me and started to close the door. Thanks for wanting to check in on us. I'll see you on Tuesday. Sure, I said as the door closed. See you Tuesday. I turned back to the excursion. Maybe I was jumping to conclusions. Maybe it wasn't Mary Margaret that Slocum saw there today. After all... Fiona had her own sense of style, and she wore a wig, thick glasses, and fake teeth when we'd first gone to the Abbey to question Eileen O'Connor. Maybe she was doing it again. Maybe Fiona really had talked the two of them into stepping back, getting away, and thinking about how they should proceed from here. God, I hope so. The more I learned about Fiona and how her husband died, the more it worried me. Could she have accidentally shot her husband? I know how the whispers and the smart-ass comments could get to someone... I'd been the subject of those when I was dumb enough to get involved with the former chief's wife, Maris Monroe. Fiona took her career very seriously. If someone, or anyone for that matter, expressed the opinion that she'd shot Mark, she'd protect her reputation and her husband's like a mama bear. Hell, she got defensive with me the first day she came to work for the FPD, and never let that wall come down apparently. She would do anything to go after Kovach if he killed Mark. She would also go after him if she thought he'd run her career into the toilet, if what Reisner told me was true. I slipped into the SUV and cranked the engine over. As I pulled down the Cleary driveway, I couldn't shake the feeling that one of those three women was bullshitting me. We hope you're enjoying Fractown Gumshoe. If you are, please tell a friend hit that subscribe button and leave a review. When you leave a review, you raise our visibility so more folks can find us. Thanks. This episode is narrated by Casey Martin. Fractown Gumshoe is based on the novels by Deborah Gaskill.